okay, yay, first episode, it's January, so it still feels like the vibe of the new year. Happy yeah. New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. I'm joined by Dorcas, so if my friends are listening, this is my friend, one of my dearest and nearest friends, Dorcas, and what can I say about Dorcas? Dorcas, okay, first of all, she is so creative. She is an entrepreneur. She has her own jewelry line, new thing. She's a writer. She's a content creator. She has her own YouTube channel and just someone that I've always sought out for advice and wisdom. And when did we meet? How many years ago was that that wow. we met? 2017. 2017. So small, small Six group. Years. Yeah, connect group. I think it was the the one that Alex used to run. I forget what it was called, but there was that women's connect. Yes. Group, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was a yeah. Yeah. And then we went on a little date. We went to like a restaurant on College Street. But I can't remember the name. It was oh like. Then I was trying to remember the name of that place the other day because I remember yeah. the tomato soup was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so random. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't remember the name either. So funny because I think I only went there once and it was with you. And then I remember we went to Voodoo, the coffee shop, and then After, that yeah. was our like date. And the rest is history. <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah. yeah. So today, thinking about the new year. So I love, I love the start of the new year because it gives you a little intentional reset and it gets you thinking about like goals, yeah. it gets you reflecting. And I know despite, you know, people are like, oh, but if you start New Year's resolutions, you end up not going through with them and that happens. So what's the point? But I still think there's value in it. And even if there is a stop and go, it's still, it's okay. Sometimes we backpedal or we lose sight, but we can always get back into it. So for me this year, I was reflecting and then thinking ahead to this new year. And one of the biggest themes, and we, we've talked about this for me, is just the word hunger and hungering for God. So I think this for me is a huge, huge theme for this year and a focus of mine. And I think and I hope it's an underlying focus for the rest of my life where I'm always thinking about, am I hungering after God? And that's such an important part of our spiritual journey and us growing and us becoming more like Jesus. So that's what I want to talk about with you. <laughs> yeah. And I want to start off by asking you, what does that mean to you when you think hungering for God? What pops into your mind? What does hunger mean to me? I think if I'm hungry, I want food. If I'm, you know, so I mean, I just think of hunger as wanting and seeking or like wanting to be satisfied by something. Mm -hmm. And this is a thought I had. How do you know there's more? Because I think you can only hunger if you know that God has more for you. And I think so part of that is that first realization. There is more for me. How do yeah. we know that? That God has more than maybe what we're just experiencing right now. I don't know where everyone is in their faith journey, but it's in this moment. How do I know there's more than this? Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, in my my journey, I think God is so gracious in how he works with us that he's the one that kind of even reveals some of these things to us where 
we know deep down there's this dissatisfaction. So I think for me, that's like one of the elements where deep down you just feel like there's just something where like, you're like, there's just a dissatisfaction that I can't put my hands on. And for me, that's an indication that there is more of something. Like it's, like I said, it's hunger food. It's like when you're not satisfied, you feel dissatisfied. So I think it's a dissatisfaction that for me has come up in my heart and my spirit where I know that I'm not maybe as hungry as I should be. I'm not pursuing God as I should be because I'm not fully satisfied. I think that's how sometimes I know that there is more in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. I think often we'll have that lingering feeling, you know, we'll we'll accomplish things outside of our relationship with Jesus. And it's like Mm -hmm. never enough, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. One of the things I thought of too was just when I used to read the Bible before and look at certain people in the Bible and their lives, I'd be like, why isn't this happening in my, and that's why there's more. If these people are experiencing this, then God wants that for me plus more. This is kind of a specific example, but there was way back, I would read the Bible and we, we get stuff from it. We feel encouraged or inspired, but then I would read the verses specifically in Psalms where he was like, your word is like honey to my lips. Or he would make these comments. I would be like, why don't I feel that way? Why does the word, should it not be that way if it's in the Bible? So then when I, as soon as it's like, oh yeah, that's for me. And I took it and I kept praying on it. Then God was like, Yeah. And I went through that experience where the word was like honey and it was Mm -hmm. so good. Um, So I think it's a good reference and something that I hope I don't forget as I read it. Oh, it's not just for these people. This is this is for me. And yeah, plus more. That's my belief. God's going to show us greater things than he's done in the past. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to add to that, I think for me, a huge thing for me is just like, like you said, the word and prayer, I find that when I notice that my hunger is not where it used to be, it's like when my desire for studying the word and my desire for prayer has dwindled or when other things take priority over that, where I'm easily dissuaded to put something else in that place. Oh, I have to do this assignment for work or I have to see this person. So when things take priority over those things, I think for me it's a signal that definitely my fire, my hunger is definitely dwindled. And what are some other checks for you? How do you check, okay, am I actually hungering for God? You mentioned some of the the visible signs, like through prioritizing things over God, but are there other things that you notice in your life that change when you're not hungering for God? I would say just like general, like even fate-wise, you know, I think I had the preacher say one time that she was going through something and her immediately she reacts. The Lord asked her, why is your default response that of fear? And she was like, wow, that's an interesting question. And so for me, it's like when my default response is fear, when, you know, I hear, you know, the psalmist says, we will not fear bad news. And when I hear that, I hear bad news and like, I'm just like all of a sudden disoriented. Yeah, I think like just things like that for me is just a sign. And then for me also, like one of my gifting is the prophetics. When I feel like it's so hard to hear God's voice, 
I know that, oh, something is off because God is always speaking. You know, it's a matter yeah. of we have the residue word in us and are we attuned? It's like a radio, right? Where you're tuning mm-hmm. the frequency. Am I in tune with God and things like that? So for me, those are all indication that, okay, something is not right. My intimacy mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. I, I totally feel you with that too. Cause I know if I'm off too, then I'm, I'm living my life on my own. It's like yeah. I've separated God out of my day to day and similar to you, I'm not really hearing from God. I do want to talk about being full because this is something I feel like God has been speaking to me about. And it's funny, I was reading the book that you had suggested, The Elimination of Hurry. Mm. And I was like, oh, I have to read this book because I'm always in a hurry. (laughs) I'm always (laughs) in a rush and I'm so busy. My life is full. And that's the story of, I don't know, like every North American person is my life is busy and I have two Mm -hmm. responsibilities. I read that book in conjunction with another one. It was similar in theme, but a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And it all tied in nicely together where that Plus, like God speaking to me was, Jane, your life is really full. Your heart is basically. Mm-hmm. And just like being physically hungry, if you're physically full, you don't have an appetite for anything else. Yeah. For example, you'll go for Thanksgiving dinner at your friends and then you're invited to another dinner right after. I don't know, you double booked yourself. You go, you're not going to be hungry. And I think that's like very much our spiritual lives because We fill our days, whatever it is, the busyness, work, children, et cetera. And then the things that we do, social media, Netflix, all the little things that fill our time, our headspace, our heart space. And then there's no room to hunger for God out of that. So for me, God challenging me to be like, you got to empty out Mm. some of the stuff. Some of the stuff's got to go. And your heart needs to be in check because if you don't have room for me, there's no room for me. So how, how do we stay empty? How do we in, and the reality is, yes, we, we are actually busy and mm-hmm. we have tons of responsibilities, but Jesus was able to do it. That was the thought I, I had last night as, as I was right. thinking about this. Jesus in his ministry, probably pretty busy yeah. or people were like, trying to see him, trying to talk to him. He had his disciples. He had relationships too. He's a person. He, he was a son, right? But how did he maintain his hunger for God and have that room for him? And I think that we, we know that it's possible because, because Jesus did it. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. I I agree with everything you're saying, because it's so true. And I think something that I I often think about is the fact that we as people are always hungry, but the idea, the the point is, what are we hungry for, right? Yeah. And then what is filling that hunger, like you said? And I think like being full is like, obviously like that thing of, okay, we're hungry, but we're trying to be satisfied from our work. We're trying to find satisfaction from moving cities or from being in a relationship or drugs or whatever it is for, you know, everyone has their own struggles. And then we fill ourselves with those things because innately the way God created us is to be a hungry people, right? That people that seek after him. And because we know that, or 
our souls know that we're always trying to grasp at something to fill that hunger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think like, yeah, it's like being filled of everything else but Christ. But being full is not a bad thing, but it's like, what are you filled off? That's the yeah. issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, if we're full of other things, then we can't be full of Christ. But yeah, the goal is that we're full of Christ because being full is good, but being filled of Christ means that we can then live from that overflow to everything else because all these other things work and whatever they're good but they're just not meant to be the source of our satisfaction mm-hmm. and because the world isn't meant to you know bear the weight of satisfying us you just can't yeah and so when i think of being full and being empty i kind of think of them as things that could work together mm-hmm. in god's kingdom because we're meant to be full of him and then we're also meant to empty ourselves of other things in his presence. So yeah, those were kind of my thoughts as you were talking. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I don't know if this was from the book, The Elimination of Prayer. I'm starting to get books mixed up and they're overlapping. But I think it was from that one where he was like, sometimes the enemy and his tactics, they're not so obvious. It's the very subtle things like, the distraction he uses and it's so small and I and I okay I talk about social media because it is a it can be a problem for people uh, and people like myself (laughs) because when you look at reels it's a minute it's like less than a minute actually it's like they're like 30 seconds but it's like death by a thousand cuts because you're like ah and you just kind of scroll through and then before you know it you spent so much time and I did that actually last night I grabbed my book to read and I was just checking the gram and before you know it half an hour had passed and I was like gonna read but eventually I did but then I just (laughs) like wasted 30 minutes and I didn't even know and I think that's how subtle it is sometimes Mm -hmm. and that's the raging war for your attention for your focus and then for your heart and where you know the bigger picture what you were talking about Uh, Mm -hmm. where you're actually drawing your satisfaction from and yeah it's it's hard to stay so wearing cognizant I think of that and I think that's why the daily experience aligning ourselves with God every day becomes so so crucial because every day I feel like is a new (laughs) battle is a new (laughs) battle every moment you know yeah yeah and like you said, yeah. I think it's a war of our attention. This book um, by John Mark Comer, who also wrote mm. The Elimination of Hurry, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, also wrote Leave No Lies. And in that book, the major theme was attention is the beginning of devotion, which has become like one of this, this phrase and words I hold on to clip very daily because it is true. Like what we pay our attention to is the beginning of our devotion, right? And I think for me, and I think we've talked about this where for me this year, it's like everything I watch, things I listen to, things I speak, what am I giving my attention to? And that's why Apostle Paul says, I walk to enter into God's rest. The work part is literally all these things of fighting to have that attention but however it's knowing that god is not opposed to effort is opposed to earning so we put in the effort but knowing that that's not what earns anything for us but i think we have to put in that conscious effort of that battle right of like being like what exactly am i paying attention to but i would say the second thing of that is also knowing that it is god that works in us both to will and to do and so for me also is getting not getting too caught up of like 
the works of fighting it and yeah. also doing that there's a part of that but also committing it to God in prayer and knowing that you will do the work in me so help me to seek you and help me to hunger and help my attention and all that stuff because then it just becomes legalistic and religious as opposed yeah. to a partnership and relationship with God yeah. yeah yeah I'm totally with you on that I know that that line that fine line between I don't know if this is the right sort of comparison, but discipline and then being, but then striving and religion, it might be a thin line and it's really hard because we are performance driven. The, the verse I've been thinking about a lot is from James four, eight, where it says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And Joe and I were unpacking that together and drawing near. What does that mean? Right. But I don't think it, it has to be, okay, spend time with me in prayer or like pop open your Bible. We were talking about, you know, when Sophie, our daughter just comes over and maybe she sits on our lap and she reads her book by herself. She's just with us and near us. And I think that's the beauty of it and the how God's heart really is. He just wants you there and connected with him in whatever way. Maybe it is through reading the word or through mm-hmm. worship or whatever it may be, but just being there. And I I love that verse so much. And I think it's such a great promise because uh it has to be like literal. It's not it's not drawn near to me and maybe I'll draw near to you or draw near to me, do all these other things, and then I'll draw near to you. It's it's really simple. It's just draw near to me, mm-hmm. and I will draw near to you. And yeah. I think, I don't know, I it's such a simple verse, but I've just been like chewing, 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 chewing on it because it's so good. It's a really simple promise. And I think, I yeah. Yeah, it's a good promise to hold on to, I agree. And something, Dorcas, that we talked about before about hungering for God, because you were, you said, if you hunger after God and he fills you, you encounter God, you experience him, you end up wanting more of him. So it becomes this like actual, very good cycle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, it's another really, it's, I mean, I don't know if it's like a, it's at least spoken in the Bible, but I think it holds to be true. God will fill you up in your hunger. If you thirst and hunger for righteousness, he will fill he will fill yes. you up. He's not going to leave you hanging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does not leave us hanging. And no, because I think for me, I said that because it is so true. I've seen that in my life where the more I hunger and then the more I go into God's presence, the more like he fills me up and then I'm hungry again. And yeah. um, I think it was John Tyson who I always talk about because I fucking love him. Um, he's a church, the pastor of like this church, Church of New York City in New York City. <laughs> of course, it's in New York City. <laughs> but anyways, he talks in where God goes where he's wanted. This idea yeah. of he was looking at revivals all across the world, like the history of revivals and what was the common thread? out of all these revivals you know there was revivals even in denominations that were not the same so you can't say necessarily the way they worship because they they worship very differently and he's just a student and he's like the one thing that was a common denominator across all the revivals that has ever happened was hunger yeah and I was like wow God literally he would he would leave 
mansions. He will leave all the sacrificial things and go to where people are hungering for him. And so it's that idea that the more I go to him and then he gets better and better. And I think he, I was watching the sermon where he gave an example of like, you know, relationships, you can't say get, get worse, but it's like when you start off, obviously with dating someone, it's like everything they do is amazing. <laughs> you love it it's so different yeah. the way they put down the toilet is so cute and then the more you get you're married to them you realize oh crap i'm married to a sinner they have their own tribulation they have their own family drama they have their own scars so do i and then you realize that you people are just imperfect people and then the things you thought was one cute you know it's that idea but obviously like you work it out with the love of christ whatever but with christ it's different where the more you know him the better he gets and you're like, oh my goodness. And so it's the idea of like, when you seek him and you're hungry, you can't help but seek him more because you're like, oh my goodness, he's even better than I thought. And yeah. so I feel like that's been my experience in like seeking God more. It's like, then there's more hunger. And I found that this is not like, this was said by a business leader, but I found that to be true spiritually. She's like, it's easier to keep the momentum going than to restart it. So I find that in my hunger, it's easier to keep my hunger going. Once I break from hungering or get lazy about hungering, to restart the hunger is way harder yeah. than it was to just keep it going. I don't know if that makes sense, but I so, think it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think if you're not hungering, you start to grow lukewarm and maybe you just fall out and it's hard to get back out of that. It really yeah. is because you get into a pattern and yeah, mm. I totally agree with you. I totally agree that like maintaining that hunger is just like, you're kind of f flowing with it, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm totally with you. And I love what you said about God goes where he's wanted and revivals. It's probably a corporate hunger together, you know, and then God shows up. You seek his face and then he'll, he'll come. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, I love that so much. It gave me chills just thinking about that. Cause I think about crazy revivals and I'm like, oh, yeah. come on, come on, like, God. Yes, Lord, come Lord. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. I was thinking about some of the things that birthed hunger. And I know that for me, something I talk about a lot, which is not a popular topic is the topic of suffering and discomfort. And it's not popular in the West. It's this idea that most of the times when we're in suffering or in sorrow or whatever, most of our inkling is to pray it away and say, oh God, which is not like, you know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah, we're supposed to pray about this, but this idea that we can also pray for God to be seen through suffering and the idea that hunger can actually be birthed from dissatisfaction. And so I feel like some of the times I've hungered the most were where I was in a place of dissatisfaction. I was in a place of unrest or expectation. I felt like that's where I've hungered the most for God yeah. when I was in the mountaintops. And yeah. the idea that we can use those dissatisfaction moments to birth and re refresh our hunger for God, because it's almost like God is in that gap of where you, where you are and where you want to be. And then there's a tension in that gap where you almost hunger for him more like, God, come on, type thing. And so I think yeah. there's a treasure there that can be seen as a gift, as supposed to be seen as 
punishment or yeah. you know i forget this is a verse in job that actually says god will use adversity to bring his people back to him mm-hmm. it's not his desire to but yeah. when his people are away from him to get their attention back god will even use adversities mm-hmm. to turn their face back to him yeah. and those adversities are his mercy and his gift because he could easily just leave us to keep going but in order for us to turn back to him in his mercy he would bring a situation that would help us turn our face to him. Anyways, I'm just trying to say that sometimes this satisfaction can be a gift if we steward it well and not see it as punishment and just a time to wallow. But we're like, God, I want to see more of you in this season of wilderness or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like true genuine hunger can be perfect in that place. I've, I've seen that for me in my life. Yeah, yeah. I think that's totally true. Yeah, I know we have a tendency for pain avoidance and yeah. suffering is just, no, we can't deal with it. But I agree that it really is out of his grace and mercy that sometimes he allows for things to happen. Not that he, to be clear, doesn't cause diseases. He doesn't, doesn't cause yeah, exactly. yeah, those kind of bad things to happen, but he uses them and it does give us that opportunity to turn back to him. And every time I do think about a difficult period in my life, I am thankful. I don't want to relive it. Like, I'm not like, I'll do it all yeah. over again, Lord. But those are, those were some of the best moments because it caused me to seek God. And, mm-hmm. and then in those moments, it was easier to get a taste of him. And then I would just cling on to that and it yeah. would carry me through. Suffering is a very, I think, a good vehicle to birth to birth suffering. Yeah. Yeah. To birth hunger. I said to birth suffering. <laughs> <laughs> but no, truly. And I think something yeah. else that can help in birthing hunger is just by association. And I think that's why the Bible talks about the church and the bride. Yeah. I think it's so important and can be neglected. You know how some people are like, I'm just going to work on my faith by myself. And it's it's like, iron sharpened iron with time without us even realizing it we're far from the mark without even knowing it consciously so I think sometimes just being in a place of worship just being in a place where Christ-like minded people are together there's a fire that that rubs off on you without even you knowing it so I think that's why corporate worship and being in a place of fellowship with other believers is so important. Sometimes it's their faith that carries you. And sometimes Mm. you just witnessing someone's hunger makes you hungry. Like it's so true because if I think there's a biological factor to this, but don't quote me on it, where when you are sitting with someone that their stomach is grumbling, apparently yours starts to grumble, which Uh is so weird. But I think there's about anyone that is in biology, please correct me. But that's to tell you just by association, sometimes I think hunger can be, you know, birthed. Contagious. Yeah. Very contagious. Yeah. 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 I agree. When you're in that environment, with other people, it'd be hard not to. I think it is a fire that catches on and you yeah. know, uh, it'll maybe just start that spark. So yes. I, yeah, the community aspect, we can't for sure ever devalue the importance importance of that and being around those kind of people. And that's the type of church we want to be in, a church that is really hungering for more of God. Yeah. How did Jesus maintain his hunger? Yeah, mm. we can talk we can talk a bit about that, Jesus. I think when I touched on it briefly earlier on, key examples of whenever you read about Jesus and 
big events that happened. Okay, and I have to double check if this is correct. <laughs> I want to say that maybe right after the miracle of the fish and loaves, Jesus, he just goes off on his own. Yeah. He leaves his disciples. He goes up onto the mountain or wherever. And I never want to forget Jesus is fully human, fully God, fully human. He probably is hungry. He's probably tired. He's probably exhausted. I'm sure preachers can attest after a Sunday preaching, however many services, you're you're exhausted and you need to yeah. rest. But instead, he always finds time to be with God. That's just never out of the picture. And I think that maybe it's not recorded every every time, but I'm sure it was it was always a thing that he made sure to do to carve out time to sacrifice time to sacrifice certain aspects of his life and i think that's why in our busyness in what we're doing it is possible and it's so necessary and in the end that will sustain us through everything anyways but but it's such a common thing and we do it we always when we get busy we start to cut out the things that are important i'm too busy i don't go to the gym i'm too busy i don't do this thing i don't set my time with Jesus in the morning or whatever. And I'm, I'm really a culprit of that, but it's like, those are the things that actually that sustain you yes. through whatever it may be. I forget how the, what's it called? The hierarchy now or the flow. Something about Jesus ministry was really about like, he would like minister, he would redraw, he'd rest. And then it was power. And then from power, he would withdraw. Mm. So it's that like, like knowing that whatever is sustaining us in the public comes from hidden and comes from the private yeah yeah right? and it's like in that private part private part <laughs> <laughs> in that private place that's yeah. where hunger and thirst and all those stuff is and then there's power but sometimes i think we want the evidence the performance of in the public and the fruit Mm -hmm. when we actually spend time in the hidden and in the private yeah world. yeah and i feel like that's the world we live in because and then we get burnt out because at work or in whatever thing we do we're not seeing the power that we yeah. want we're not seeing the effect and then we think the the solution is to work even harder and to spend mm -hmm. even more time and then we do that and then it's still not producing results and then we spend more time and so it's that vicious circle of wanting power in the public when we've not spent time in private. Mm -hmm. And the ideology being that, no, spend more time in the public and then the results will come, right? And it's like, no, actually, cut more of that time you're spending, although it's yeah. anti, what do you call it? It's not, it's a down, upward, you know what I mean? Like counterintuitive. Counterintuitive, yeah. thank you. It's counterintuitive when you're not uh -huh. seeing the power to not spend as much time, but that's how the kingdom of God works. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's always a reminder of that. And we see it in Jesus' ministry, like you said, where he's always withdrawing, where yeah. he had the opportunity to even be more famous because they're like, oh, after he's done this miracle, he's done this amazing sermon, they're like, keep going. And that's mm -hmm. what we would see in our day and age. Then you book more crusade, you book more speaking engagement. Wow, this power but it's like, no. I'm going to go hide and be in the secret place of Christ. I just think that's just so wonderful and such a model. Yeah. And I think, and I think that shows and reflects Jesus' heart. He wasn't after the miracles. He wasn't after the display of power and his popularity or whatever. It was, that was just 
the fruit and the natural outcome of his time spent with God. Yes. That's a trap we can easily fall in because the outward show is nice. And it like, sometimes when we start to attribute that to ourselves, it's like, you know, and I feel like this, this is a struggle for me too. And I have to check myself. It's like, I want to want God more than the things that he gives me and the things Mm. that he can do through me. Yeah. Yeah. Like and also the temptation of mm-hmm. going to God because of what he's going to do through us. Yeah. I remember for me, that was like, oh, like, I remember when God said it, like speaking to me about like, you know, ministry. And when I talk about ministry, not necessarily like, you know, preacher or anything, but just like the gift this is giving me and how that can mm-hmm. benefit the body of Christ. I was so apprehensive. Because I'm like, God, I don't want to be in a position where I'm going to you to study the word because I have to preach a sermon. I'm going to you to learn this thing mm-hmm. because I'm, I want to say it in this place. You know what I mean? I yeah, feel like yeah. wanted, obviously like there's a time and place where if you have a sermon, it's this place you're called to study the word before you go teach God's mm-hmm. people. But I don't know how to explain the motive of that is the only time you seek God, right? Yeah, so yeah. You have to show in the public and then you want to show yourself as knowledgeable and you know gifted. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could be a temptation or like a sleepy slope when you are now in ministry. And for me, I'm like, God, I want any performance or blessing to be an outpouring and an outflow of mm-hmm. being spacey and time I've spent with you, not because of it. It's not because yeah. of it. Yeah. And anyways, I don't even know how I got here, but I feel like that was like one of those things that can also be like a slippy slope in terms of mm. like when we hunger can be superficial because we're hunger because we have to perform mm. as a hunger because we just want the person of God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm with you. I think about that and I used to pray before, particularly about gifts. Don't enlarge my gifts until my heart is right. And my character is in line with the, what's the word I want to use? Like the level of that gifting, like Mm. until that point. But then Joe was like, no, you shouldn't pray that way because you should still be hungering for those gifts. But you should be praying in parallel that your character and your heart is growing at the same pace of your gift, your giftings. Mm -hmm. And I think... You're right, because that does play back into hunger. Am I am I hungering? What am I actually hungering for? Yeah. Yeah, because I think that the downside of that is sometimes we can hunger for the gifted more than character, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a problem if mm-hmm. our transformation is secondary to the display of power. Mm-hmm. And that's why even like, you know, in gatherings and things like that, it's always important that we prioritize people's character and people's holiness and their walk mm-hmm. with God before their giftings. The giftings should always be secondary Mm -hmm. and because that's what's going to sustain the giftings anyways, right? Yeah. 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 And I think that attributes a lot to sometimes when we see leaders like fall into temptation or something happens is I think when the, the giftings supersede the character and it, it Mm -hmm. falls behind, it's like, you're not ready for it, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 Holy, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think practical rec- recommendations about hungering and maintaining that hunger for God. First, it's asking yourself, am I hungry for God? Am I 
like wanting to know more of him to go deeper. And have I, have I seen that like in my walk? Do I know God more? Do I have a more intimate and deep relationship with him? And I think we can always be honest with ourselves and we know ourselves and what's going on. And there's no need to feel guilty if there hasn't been growth or whatever. Condemnation doesn't come from God. It's a nice wake up call and you just, you you move forward. So it's okay. Upwards and onwards. We can ask ourselves that and just have that honest kind of check. And then to think ahead this year, what am I going to do? Are there things in my life that need to go? Maybe there's things that I have to, that have to die where, and I think if we ask God to reveal those things, he will, maybe we already know it's very obvious. And like, for me, I know there's some things that are like too obvious (laughs) where I'm just wasting away my precious time and, or I'm just like filling up my heart with. And I think, so I want to make this point because I think the time when I grew the most, and I think I grew, I encountered God and really got to know him on a deep, intimate level more in two years than I did in 10 years previously. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things at that time was, A, I wasn't busy, just like practically speaking, but my heart was like so empty. And the fact mm-hmm. that I wasn't hanging on to much that gave me a sense of security, gave me a sense of identity, sense of self-worth, because I was putting all of that in other things, like my job or like what I did. And uh, when I was stripped away of all of that, it was just so much easier. Like it just came naturally. God was always on my mind. Disciplines, I think, are important, but I didn't even need them. I would just wake up in the middle of the night and I'd want to read my Bible. I had hunger to just like read and want to get into his word. And I can't say the same is happening now because I've fallen back into like old habits and, you know, my heart is full of gunk and things that need to go. So I'm asking the Lord, you know, just show me what areas I've filled my heart. And maybe it's a time thing. Maybe it's uh, where I'm drawing my satisfaction from. And I think God will, will show that. I think that's a good place to start. Do you have like other practical recommendations? More about, I guess, the, yeah, yeah. I think it's things we've said, like I would say definitely get, uh, number one, I would say is like what Jane, what you said, it's like asking God, because I think sometimes the heart, the Bible says is what's called deceitful when we get, where there's sometimes in your own heart, we don't even know our our own heart and our hearts can be deceptive even to us. Mm -hmm. So I would say like asking the Lord to reveal areas in our hearts that's hindering us from being hungry in the first place or, Mm -hmm. you know, how we should hunger and things like that. And then number two, I would say let go of expect. So again, quoting John Tyson, he says expectation without agenda. So you can have expectation, but don't have an agenda because expectation is biblical. But sometimes we have expectation and we have this agenda of how that expectation should be met. And so when we think of hunger, I think practically speaking, we want we want it to be filled the way maybe we've been filled in the past. Maybe in the past, how we were filled was like what maybe Jim was saying in, you know, maybe in that season, you were not busy, you were not married, or you read the Bible a certain way, you read the Bible in a year and God met you. And so we want to replicate that season so we can be filled. But it's like the Lord is like, I'm doing a new thing. And so yeah, he can't be yeah. put in a box. So I think let go of that agenda of 
how you want mm. to be filled is a practical mm. tip, I would say, and just expect to be filled the way that mm. God wants you to be filled. It's yeah. something, second thing I would say. And the third thing is what I've said before, like surround yourself with people that are also hungry because there's nothing worse than being hungry and everybody around you is like just chilling like yeah we're good like I don't think your hunger will be even heightened or like you will feel that satisfaction you want or it might be filled with something else so yeah surround yourself with people that are also hungry for the things of God and um yeah I think definitely those three things would be my yeah yeah I what's the point uh, that you just made expectation with that agenda <laughs> oh what's the second thing you said <laughs> i'm such a my memory well, the first thing was i think asking god second thing was expectation with the agenda so not wanting to replicate yes you have yes okay i love i love that because i've tried that sometimes like i've tried to go back because mm-hmm. i'm like give me what was there then but no god is like trying to do a different thing, a new yeah. thing. And so mm-hmm. I did try to repl- replicate it as if it's like a formula, but you know, you're 100% right. God cannot be boxed in. He's not this, he's- It's not formulaic. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes not. like when we approach prayer, we're like, we have to sing two songs and after song, then we say this word of thanks. It's like in our head, that's the way we used to pray and we felt like God arrived. Yeah. We have this formulaic and God is like, no, maybe I just want you to be quiet before me today and read a psalm. So you can't put him in a box of how he's going to yeah. fill you up. Yeah. And I would think I was reading. Okay. So this is a book I wanted to mention too. If there are books that you want to recommend about the topic of hungering or like intimacy with Jesus, um, I have been reading this one. It's so good. The God Chasers, Tommy Tenney. Is this the book yeah. I just bought? <gasps> no is, way. Wait, I think mine okay. is God Smuggler. This one is so good. Okay, so I have to recommend this book, God Chasers, Tommy Tenney. I love it. Joe recommended it to me. What did you get? Is it the same author? Tommy Never Tenney? mind. The one, it, I put it on a hold in the library. This is oh. a different book. Yeah, but I think the one okay. I put on hold in the library is called God smugglers if I'm not mistaken I feel like I've heard that about that one okay let me look that one up I oh it just seemed okay yeah that's the one I got God smuggler God smuggler okay yeah so I thought it was the same one as well because it sounded so similar this one is by brother Andrew is that the right Mm one yeah okay sweet I also just ordered it's an older John Bevere one I think oh 2001 drawing near a life of intimacy with God. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing because there's not a book from John Bevere that I haven't liked. And yeah, he's very different from Tommy Tenney, probably like different background, but Mm -hmm. I like the Tommy Tenney one too. And the reason I brought up this book, because, you know, you're saying like the formula thing in the book, Tommy Tenny says we sometimes do that with our church services and how we operate and I know it's like very neat and orderly and we like that as people we like the schedule we like to know what's coming I totally get that but I think sometimes like you need a bit of flexibility and room for God to do his thing because sometimes maybe the worship is meant to go a bit longer because maybe the flow of the Holy Spirit like you don't want to cut it off like maybe it's like just kind of coming then you're like oh over and then you miss out on on so much more. But 
Yes. Anyways, I, for kind of like encouragement for people, what I want to say is this, God is, he's better than we can even imagine. There, There's more for everyone. Wherever you're at, there's more for you. If you feel dry, you feel stagnant, you know, you don't feel like much is happening, there is more for you. Like God wants more for you. He doesn't want you to stay in that same place. Mm-hmm. He's got more planned for your life. He's got more of where he wants to take you and show you about himself. The intimacy and the level that we can go to, there's no end. And I think that's what's so encouraging is there is no end to his intimacy and how deep you can go with him. We can live our whole lives pursuing, pursuing, seeking his face, hungering after him, and we'll never get to the end of it. And that, I think that's amazing because nothing in this world can satisfy like God. So I think even if maybe you feel satisfied in life, but it's like, when you encounter God and that the true satisfaction that comes from that, because people say this a lot of times, like we have a God-sized hole in our heart mm-hmm. and it can only be filled yes. with God. The other things are going to come in and it's just, you're never going to feel it. And that's because it's a God-sized hole. It's yeah. It's just gigantic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gigantic is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a book yeah. that I was going to recommend. And I think... Yeah. Of doubt is this book I read last year. I've posted about it a gazillion times. It's called Discipleship uh-huh. on the Edge by okay. Daryl Johnson. And this is definitely one of the most transformative books I've ever read in my entire life. I can say that. And, um, yeah, I feel like I need to read it. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible book. So I would say mm-hmm. if you feel dry, you feel like I don't know, even you're not sure about God anymore, whatever situation or stage you are from zero to a hundred, this book, I think is a book I highly recommend. It just made me want to hunger. I, I, I finished this book and I was just like so hungry for more of God that I didn't know what to do with myself. And so it's a definitely a great book. And I think it's just yeah. if an understanding of what that means of how that even came to be. Why should you even hunger in the first place? So it's a great book. Um, and it made me see Revelation, the book of Revelation, like I've never seen it before. Oh, that's the book. Yeah, talking. it's the book. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely not one of my favorite books in the, in, the, in the Bible. Whereas before I'm like, what is this book? Like, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely a highlight of my year last year was reading this book. So I would highly recommend it. Okay, this I have to order. <laughs> no okay this book they, you, there's no point borrowing it from the library just order it so you can highlight mark all of it. discipleship on the edge daryl yeah Johnson. it's um an expository yeah. journey through the book of revelation okay yeah. love it that's another one for me to add to it's my list yeah, yeah. about just that book another time it's a great one yeah. And um, yeah, I would say just in closing, like what Jane said, for me, it's knowing that God wants you to be filled more than you want to be filled. I think sometimes we have this idea of like God is just this apathetic God sitting somewhere. We are the one trying so hard to reach him. But knowing yeah. that whatever effort we could even do, it's all a response. 
because yeah. God was the one that initiated the friendship and relationship. He was the one that, you know, is the, he's the active participant in this whole thing. We are just respondents. And so I don't think there's anything we could do that we could then think, oh, we're the one activating our relationship with God. It's always a response because mm -hmm. he did it first. And so I think it's knowing that he wants to fill us. Now we want to be filled. So I think that would give us encouragement even as we pursue after him. Yeah, yeah, that is so encouraging. God is chasing after us. He is after our hearts. And I think that's so lovely. I know, I know. It's like so cute. <laughs> how can you just, because sometimes you think of courtship of how this guy wants this girl so bad and he's like doing all yeah. this like crazy stuff. And that's nothing, nothing in comparison. This is nothing because he died. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any guy's ever chased the girl to the point of I'm just gonna die but he died and even more is they interceding in heaven right now for us like what kind of love is that and yeah, yeah just beyond yeah sure so good yay <gasps> thanks Dorcas yay yay we did I it encourages people yeah I hope it does too I think yeah. it's good I think it's a good Especially for the new year. New year, I agree. Yeah, to, to think about this yeah. theme. 